0: Welcome to Tech Career Podcast, creating valuable and relevant content to encourage, motivate, and empower you to achieve your career goals. Hello and welcome to Tech Career Podcast. My name is Christian Trujillo and I am your host. Today's episode is part of our series called IT Certifications, where we discuss in-depth information about a particular certification. In our previous show, we discussed the relevance of getting a job with certifications, experience, or both. In today's episode, we will focus on one of the most sought-after certifications in the Linux world. This is the Red Hat Certified System Administrator Certification, also known as the RHCSA. And today's special guest is Randy Russell, who is the Director of Certifications at Red Hat. Randy leads a team that develops and delivers Red Hat certification program and exams a long-time proponent of performance-based testing. He has served on the board as the president and chairman of the Performance Testing Council, as well as having presented on this subject and others at industry conferences such as the Association of Testing Publishers, the European Association of Testing Publishers, CEDMA, and TSIA. Prior to joining Red Hat, Randy was a system administrator and programmer at an environmental economics consulting firm. Hello, Randy. Thank you so much for joining and welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Christian. Thanks for the invite.
0: Now, before we even get started with any of the questions about this certification, would don't you share with us a little bit about to yourself? You know, who is Randy Russell?
1: Well, he's a great guy, I think. Um, so, uh, you know, as mentioned in the bio you gave, I, uh, uh, I actually, earlier in my career, was working for an uh, economics, uh, an environmental economics firm and my original job title actually was economist uh but you know obviously a lot of my work involved using computers uh to to do various kinds of statistical analysis and so on um and i got to this point where i started getting more interested in the technology that i was using than than the analyses that i was doing and uh and I discovered, uh, you know, I discovered this thing called Linux, you know, many, many years ago, uh, just to give you a sense of, uh, you know, that was when it was kernel version 1.2.3. So this was a long time ago. And, uh, you know, it really, uh, it just, it, it kind of became this thing that I just was very interested in and, and wanted to learn more. And. Slowly but surely, I discovered I was no longer an economist, and I had become instead a you know, system administrator and a programmer. And uh, had a long term interest uh, in, you know, Red Hat uh, as my preferred Linux distribution, and they were local to where where I live. And uh, you know, kept thinking, "Boy, it sure would be great if I could go to work there." And you know, one day I did.
0: Wow, that's great. That's a great story. And you know, it's interesting how for everybody out there um that uh, are currently working in a field that perhaps is not as exciting to you today and perhaps not related to technology. I know a lot of people that started in accounting or any other related, you know, a field and then they did the transition into technology. And mm-hmm. we can definitely do a whole show on that and well maybe we would love to have you join us for that and see how was your transition if you if you will be you know, willing to do so. <laughs> but um, yeah. I think that's a great, great subject, you know, because a lot of people are now thinking about joining the technology field and perhaps their their experience is not so much in technology, but there are ways. There are ways to be able to do that transition. And we really want to help you with that. Uh, now, how about you share with us maybe a little a fun fact about, about you?
1: A fun fact about me. Well, um, you know, so fun is in the eye of the beholder, right? So um, one fun fact, which I don't know if, you're, uh, if your audience would, would appreciate the reference, but uh, if anybody's familiar with the movie Wall Street, I have the same birthday as Gordon Gecko, who is uh, the bad guy in that movie. Um, I don't know. That's fun. But... Uh, other fun fact, I, I'm, I'm an avid one-wheeler, and I don't mean I ride unicycles. A one-wheel is actually an electric vehicle that looks like a skateboard attached to a large tire, and uh, I do that every day.
0: Oh, wow. Well, I've always been tempted to try one of those, but I don't know how how challenging would it be. And I guess it's the the modern uh, one-wheeler, right? I mean, it has been... Yeah. Evolved.
1: It, it's still it's still a good way to hurt yourself, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, you know, I uh, there are places that rent them out, and uh, and I would suggest giving it a shot to anybody who's curious because it's probably not as hard as you think. But uh, you know, it is. Well, you know, here's here's an interesting thing about them is that there's a slang for crashing on one, and the slang is to say that you've Craig listed. And the reason why, <laughs> is because people people buy one, they think, yeah, this will be great. They have their first crash, and it goes on Craigslist.
0: <laughs> that's a good one. Okay, that's that's funny. Um, no, maybe I'm, I'm gonna try it. And you know, that's a good that's good advice. Maybe start with renting one, getting comfortable with it, and then you'll you'll buy your um, you know, your own instead yeah. of selling it in Craigslist after you exactly. uh, your first crash. <laughs> Okay, so now going back to to today's topic, which is the uh, RHCSA certification. You know, there are many different RH certifications. And uh, I know maybe our audience is not as familiar with all of these options that are available to them. So why don't we start with that? Why don't you give us a little bit of an introduction about all the different type of certifications, how they're structured, where should somebody start? And uh, just uh, you know, introduction to that.
1: Right. So I'll start by saying that the Red Hat certification program is sort of broadly separated into two tracks. OK, uh, one of those is a more of a system administration track. One of them is more of an application developer track. Now, in terms of you know what most people go through is that system administration track. Uh, but you might have some some listeners who are who are interested in actually uh, software engineering, application development, those kinds of things. So we have these two broad tracks. They intersect a little bit, and that's actually in the nature of how the IT world has evolved, where it's now the case that developers need to know a bit of system administration, and system administrators have to sometimes acquire a certain degree of developer skills. You know, so you know, they intersect a bit, but there's these two broad tracks. So from a system administration infrastructure perspective, it starts with the the subject of today's discussion, the Red Hat Certified System Administrator, which is, that's about the core Linux system administration skills that we think everybody needs to have, regardless of the industry you're in, regardless of, you know, some of the specifics of how your employer or another employer might might implement Red Hat Enterprise Linux. We say these are those core skills. One level up from that that you can earn if you are already an RHCSA is Red Hat Certified Engineer, which now really means that you are somebody who can do those kinds of system administration tasks that we consider core, but that you're actually able to automate those using Ansible. Uh, Ansible being an automation framework uh, with that, you know, is basically how Red Hat does automation. And automation is a really increasingly important skill in in today's IT shops. One level up from that, you have a series of Red Hat certified specialist designations that tend to align to particular Red Hat products other than Red Hat Enterprise Linux or that drill deeper sometimes into some products. And so this is where you're going to find, for example, some of our certifications that cover OpenShift and Kubernetes, uh, OpenStack, uh, or that maybe drill deeper into Red Hat Enterprise Linux uh, with respect to troubleshooting or performance tuning. And then one level up from that specialist layer, if you are a Red Hat certified system administrator and an a Red Hat certified engineer, and you get at least five specialist designations, you can become a Red Hat certified architect. And if you go beyond five specialist designations, uh, you become a higher level architect. You can be a Red Hat certified architect, level three, level four, level 10, whatever. And you know, there's a few people who get quite high up there. The other side of our CERT program is that developer side. And it starts with Red Hat, Certified Enterprise Application Developer. And this is probably our most technology agnostic certification in the sense that it's really about Java Enterprise Edition, what's called spec level programming. Um, And so it's just, you know, core enterprise application development. The next level up from that is Red Hat Certified Enterprise Microservices Developer, where you now are really using what's kind of emerged as the the, the preferred way to, to, to deal with applications today. And that is, rather than having large monolithic applications, you actually break them into much smaller parts that work together and allow you to update, modify, add features, and so on, uh, you know, much more quickly and push things much, you know, faster through your development pipeline. So that's the next level up. And you'll kind of notice this is sort of a parallel to what I described on the infrastructure side. Next level up is we have specialist designations where you can demonstrate that you have skills and knowledge in something like uh, like Fuse or AMQ. And then as with the other side, if you get the Red Hat certified enterprise application developer and Red Hat certified enterprise microservices developer and you get five uh, specialist designations, you become a Red Hat certified architect in enterprise applications, so that's that's a quick fly through the program. You know, not drilling too deeply into to each one of those, but giving you a sense of of how we lay it out.
0: That's a great. There's a great explanation, a great introduction to all the different uh, certifications that are available and the tracks you know that uh, people can take. Again, if you're in the sysadmin track. You know that there are ways for you to get certified in that track, and if you are more of a developer, now you learn that uh, there are there are those tracks as well. And then as you continue to move forward in that uh, certification process, then you can start specializing. If, for example, you're using uh, OpenShift or a containerization, you know, there's ways for uh-huh. you to start specializing in those and uh, continue to grow in your in your career. As we go back to the RHCSA, right, what, what makes the RHCSA certification so important in the industry?
1: Well, so I think what makes it important is how Linux has become important in the industry, okay? And so, again, rewinding in my own professional kind of development and career is that, you know, when I started with Linux, it was something that people who knew Unix found kind of interesting as sort of a, like a little side project and and just kind of a kind of an interesting thing but it was open source and that meant that there were just a lot of people who got it participated extended embraced developed it and it transitioned from being this sort of interesting thing for people who worked with unix to being a thing that well okay maybe you know maybe we use this for some production purposes and it really started at you know the edge of the network with you know things like like web services and smtp you know email and just a lot of things like that but this is really one of the big things that red hat drove is that it became this thing that could actually be used and consumable by the enterprise that it wasn't just something that you used to to power your website or something like that that you started running your mission critical enterprise applications on you know your 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 critical pieces Of IT infrastructure that they go down, the business is going down, right? And so Linux became this very central thing in a lot of IT shops, okay? And so it begins with the very fact that there's just a huge installed base of Linux. But here's the other thing, is that the success of Linux has given rise to, and open source more broadly, has given rise to other kinds of things that are almost built on it, right? Not even almost are. Okay, so let's let's talk for example about about something like OpenStack. You know, OpenStack is something that starts with Linux. OpenShift, which is, you know, how Red Hat does Kubernetes. Well, underlying containers and Kubernetes and all of that, again, is Linux right and so i could just go through a list of different kinds of infrastructure technologies that at their core is linux and so what that means is to really succeed with some of these other kinds of technologies you really need to have a background in linux and so there's the importance of it in its own right simply the fact that there's such a huge adoption of linux as the preferred Operating system, and as Red Hat Enterprise Linux as the preferred operating system in enterprise environments, and, but then you add these other emerging technologies and new deployment paradigms, where it just gives you that foundation you need to adopt those new technologies. And, and you know, just to be honest, we see this in the pass rates for our exams. You know, I'll, I'll It's just an interesting thing to see how much better. Somebody who is certified as a Red Hat Certified System Administrator does, for example, on our OpenShift Administrator exam. Big, big difference. Well, the reason why is because they have that foundation. They are they are more ready to go in there and succeed.
0: Okay, so it seems like the RGSA is really the foundation for... Uh, the technology arena, right? So to show, to prove to yourself, to to the world that you have the foundational understanding of Linux, and from there, then that's how you start. Start with that level. So, well,
1: let me let me actually fine tune that a little bit because our aim is not so. You said foundational and understanding, and so one of the things I want to make very clear is that Red Hat Certified System Administrator is not. What I would call an entry-level certification, and the reason I say that, and the way re- is that when we say that somebody is a Red Hat Certified System Administrator, it's what they can do. It's not merely that they know some concepts. It's not merely that they can, you know, sort of talk the talk, right? It's that they can actually do things. That's and that's why the performance-based aspect of our testing is so important. Is that somebody who's who's a Red Hat certified system administrator, doesn't just know concepts about Linux, like how the file system is arranged or basically how things work. It's that they can actually do things with it. You know, they can actually implement things. And we know they can do that because we've literally made them do it. That's what it means to pass our exam, is that they have actually done the tasks.
0: That's a great segue into this question. So, what can somebody expect to see on this exam? Then this is not your traditional, uh, here are just some questions, answer these questions, and then you pass the exam. This is a very right. different exam, correct?
1: It is It is quite different because we don't have those kinds of questions. So the way the, the Red Hat Certified System Administrator exam works is that you are going to do hands-on work on a live Red Hat Enterprise Linux system, Okay, or may, or maybe more than one. And what you will be required to do is achieve certain end states, okay? So we're not going to tell you, go do this. We're going to say something like, you know, uh, a, a, user, a user named Trujillo must be able to uh, log into your system, you know? Well, maybe that means you need to go and add that, you know, create that user. Maybe it means you have to set up Certain kinds of permissions, or whatever, um, or you know, we might say something like, you know, a a web server should be running on this system, running, you know, available on the standard HTTP port. Well, okay, we're not telling you to do it, you know, what to do. We're not even telling you how to do it, right? We're just saying here's the end state that we want you to achieve. And so that's what that exam is like. It's a list of these tasks that, not even tasks, it's a list of these end states that you have to figure out, okay, what are the things I need to do to achieve that end state? And then you go do them. Mm
0: -hmm. And now, as somebody is trying to get ready for this exam and and, and start to look really at I don't know. Let's see. Maybe I'm ready to take the exam and I don't even have to study because I've been working as a system administrator, managing Linux for all these years. Right. Where mm-hmm. can someone go and see sort of the topics that will be uh, uh, within this exam?
1: Right. Well, and so, you know, it is the case that uh, there are people who probably through their work and, you know, their work experience can knock this, knock knock the exam out. Uh, the key really is to know what our exam objectives are. And so all every exam that we offer, you know, you can go to RedHat.com and you can look at that exam up, you know, and you will see what the exam objectives are. And we go into a fair amount of detail. Uh, We, you know, we're not trying to, we're not trying to trick anybody. We want to be really transparent about the kinds of things that, that people will be expected to do on that exam. And so go and look at those exam objectives and then be really, really honest with yourself about whether, you know, where you are at in terms of being able to do the things with those exam objectives. Because here's here's the thing about, you know, being somebody who maybe has acquired work experience, practical experience, um, you know, working with, say, Red Hat Enterprise Linux, is that you're always going to have some gaps, right? Because your particular work environment is, is different than other work environments. And so even though, as I said at the outset, that this is what we consider, you know, that everybody should know, the reality is sometimes there are things that you might not use in your particular work environment. If you changed companies, you'd discover that maybe there you would use this, but this other thing that you used at your last job, you didn't. So there's always going to be these gaps and you have to be really, really honest about about whether those are gaps for you or not, and and then try to fill those gaps. And and so not to pitch too hard here, but I I will say that, you know, Red Hat offers training that is aligned to every one of our certifications. And, you know, if that is an option, it is truly the best single option other than just hard one, you know, experience, you know, hands on and doing things.
0: Right. Yeah, that makes sense. In my experience, I've taken, um, you know, a few exams in the past and there's always these sort of boot camps and really just training. And part of that training is is some kind of practice exams. They'll ask you some questions within the topic that you're studying. Are there any practice exams yeah. for this particular certification?
1: Well, so, um, strictly speaking, no. Um, but here's what I, I, will say that we have actually, uh, we launched within the last year is we have something that we call preliminary exams and the, the purpose of a preliminary exam is not too dissimilar from a practice exam, except that it's, it's longer than a practice exam. Practice exam is typically just a, you know, couple few questions, right? And it typically is, here's questions, you know, multiple choice questions, not unlike what you would see on an exam. Well, you know, we're very hands-on focused so we have several preliminary exams and the idea here is that we're going to try to help you gauge your progress towards certification before we hit you with the full-on certification exam and so the perfect example of this is that we have a we have a a, a system administration exam that uh that precedes the red Hat certified system administrator exam and it's you know, it aligns to our system administration one course. It doesn't offer a certification, but it's, you know, it's just a one hour exam, but it is a hands-on exam. It's a hands-on online exam, but you're going to still be working in a real Red Hat Enterprise Linux environment. Again, you're given end states that you have to achieve and accomplish, but it gives you sort of that half step up to give a sense of, well, okay, how am I progressing? Yeah, you know, Am I am I am I halfway there, right? And it also gives you an exposure to what it's like to take one of these hands-on exams and get a sense of okay, what is this like? Because you know we've all done a multiple-choice exam at some point in our life. I mean, I, I don't know, there might be somebody out there in the world living under a rock who hasn't, but you know, I have, you have, everybody has, right? A performance-based technology exam, yeah, that might not be something you've actually done before. Um, And so, um, you know, it's a good way to get a sense of that, even though, strictly speaking, I would not call it a practice exam in the same way that you sometimes see other ones.
0: Now, how would somebody study for this exam, and are there any free resources?
1: Well, so there are some free resources that, you know, we work with some online, uh, you know, uh, education providers, that you know there are some there are some free starter courses out there. Uh, my you know my suggestion is you know Red Hat training and certification does offer training in multiple different ways to help prepare for a certification. Um, you know some of that you can take class in person now. Right now uh, under the current pandemic that's not as much of an option as it, as it usually is. A lot of that's been shut down. But the the wonderful thing is, is that our training program is not just an in-person training program. So there are, um, you know, you can take online, uh, that, you know, that is synchronous. In other words, with an instructor, but, you know, people are, you know, all participating online. There's also self-paced online training, um, You know, there are different things that we offer, and I'm always going to suggest that as as the best option. I'm not going to say it's the only option, but, you know, we work very closely with the team that provides that training, the people who are on that team, you know, who are developing the courseware, they've all been through the certification program. So again, if you have that as an option, I'm always going to recommend it. But if that's not an option, I'm going to say, hey, grab that, grab those exam objectives, you know, look for, you know, look for some of those free courses that we offer online to at least get you started, pick up some books, um, you know, download download CentOS, get some practice and just see, see if you can make progress against those exam objectives. Can, you know, can you honestly look at an exam objective and say, yeah, I've got that nailed. I, I did it. I know how to do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, makes sense. know, there are some certifications that may require you to, I don't know, take a course or have a pre-certification before you even take this this exam. For the RHESA specifically, are there any pre-requirements? Do you have to take a particular class or have another certification before you can try or attempt uh, this exam?
1: Well, so we don't have any training requirements for any of our exams that that's a very important principle to us is is there are different routes somebody can take towards being proficient we are not going to declare that we are the only way that you can become proficient so you are not required to 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 take a particular training now in terms of certain certs you had, for some of the ones you, know, you recall the programs that i i described Uh, You know, to be a Red Hat certified engineer, you have to first be a Red Hat certified system administrator. Now, interesting thing, we'll let you take the Red Hat certified engineer exam. If you pass it, great, you passed it. Doesn't make you a Red Hat certified engineer until you have also earned Red Hat certified system administrator. So there are some dependencies like that, but in general, but we let anybody take any exam. And we do not have any sort of training requirement. Although we find uh, an awful lot of people do take our training, and you know, again, just to be sort of transparent, we do find that the highest level of success on our exams tends to accrue to the people who have been through our training.
0: Understand. Now, as somebody has been maybe studying for this certification and has, you know, been studying for a while now, and they want to take this certification, you know, there the current pandemic that is affecting our world around us today things are changing tremendously. So I understand Red Hat is doing something very uh, innovative and new uh, in regards to their certification process, right? So can somebody still take an exam, even though they can't go physically at a location to take it today?
1: Right. Well, and the answer is yes. Particularly, uh, we're talking about Red Hat Certified System Administrator, and the answer is an emphatic yes. And so just to give you a little background, Uh, At the beginning of this year, in in January, I had, you know, set forth the goal that I wanted to work towards providing exams via online, uh, just in order to, as an availability question, to make it more available to more people. Uh, You know, people travel, they get on planes and trains to take our exams, right? Um, And, you know, I wanted to get things more available to people. And that was the motive, right? then the global covid-19 pandemic hit and our test delivery is built has been built in the past on you know classroom delivered exams or testing center exams and all of that changed and so that made that sort of long term aspirational idea of well can we get some of this online it went from being a thing that i think this would be a good idea and we'll spend the year working on it to we have got to make this happen and make it happen as soon as we can. And so I am very pleased to actually say that uh, about a month ago, we did launch availability of remote exams. With We started with four of our exam titles. We've now got that up to nine. Um, and you know one of the first ones, of course, that we did offer was that Red Hat Certified System Administrator exam because it's so critical, so important to really the entire program. And so it is possible if you have, you know, if you have an x86-64 laptop or a computer that is capable of running Fedora 31, um, you know, and you have a reasonably performant home network uh, and internet connection and an external webcam and some other requirements that we set forth, uh, yeah, you can take your exam at home. Now, your office is or wherever you're going to be taking that exam needs to be a little bit tidier than mine is, actually a lot tidier than mine is. Uh, but uh but that is an option now. And and we're seeing a lot of interest in it. We're getting a lot of uptake. Uh, and I think this is really going to transform the program by making this level of availability there, especially during the time what we're in right
0: now. No, I love that. Because you're you're completely right. You know, the many people that really want to get this certification and they are willing to travel for it you know take a plane take a train ride you know if necessary to be able to get to that location and take that certification but, but by opening it up to everybody to do it from their own homes you know of course following some of the uh pre-requirements and such but they're able yep. to now take that exam there that, that will be fantastic for everybody here around around the world really
1: yeah, well, we're very excited about it. And you know, there's a couple of things if I'm if I might add that that you know I'm I'm really happy with so far. And first of all, you know, with any sort of online delivery, let's say you're even talking about sort of an online course, but you know, an online exam, and even more so an online performance-based exam, you know, you're using cloud resources and you're depending on, you know, however much, you know, many miles of of, of wire between, you know, the end user and those cloud resources, right? There's, there's things that can go wrong. We've actually been able to deliver at a pretty high level of reliability with these exams. And that's always been one of my big concerns was can we do this reliably? Because when it's a testing center, you know, we put a specific model of hardware in there. We're working with a commercial facility that has commercial broadband. There's just, a, and, and it's a fixed location. There's just a lot of variables that you take out of the mix that way. Well, you start talking about people's home and their box and, and their network and all those things. Now you've got all these other variable variables that might affect how reliable that exam delivery is because it's a tense situation for somebody taking an exam. You know, you don't need to have technical difficulties on top of that. Um, So we've actually, through our solution, been able to deliver at what I think is a, a level of reliability that exceeds the industry norm. And a big part of that is that we actually have something called the local exam environment, which basically is a specialized terminal for connecting to the exam environment. It provides a much higher level of reliability. And I'll also just mention it also provides a much higher level of exam security. It is much, much more difficult for somebody to cheat on their exam when they're using that 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 local exam environment that I'm describing. But you know, there is a win in it too. It's a it's a you know it's reliable and it's more secure.
0: You know, and I think that's what makes this exam so prestigious, right? Because it's not it's not going to be easy for somebody to to cheat on this exam because it's so hands on and it's so um, intricate in the way of you're really knowing the subjects and really knowing what has been asked from you to do on on a particular system. And that's why it becomes such a such a powerful certification
1: i I think that's it in a nutshell, right? is that that I think we so anytime you have a certification program, you know ours or somebody else's, is that you're making a claim about an individual and you're sort of putting your reputation as a company or organization. Behind that individual, so Red Hat, you know, Red Hat certifies somebody as a Red Hat certified system administrator. We're making a claim. We're taking our brand, Red Hat, and we're putting it behind that individual. Well, you want to really take that claim very seriously, in my opinion. You don't want to. You know, you don't want to make that claim lightly. You want to feel really assured that that claim has substance, and that's why we do things like performance testing. We don't we don't do it because it's the easier way to do it. We do it because we feel like we can make that claim more credibly. And the same thing applies to your delivery environment. You know, it would be easier to not have people use this live local environment that you know connects to cloud environments and just say, well, you know, fire up your fire up your web browser. And that's what we do with the preliminary exams. But you know, for for certification exams, if you want to make that claim, you really want to make sure that somebody wasn't, you know, checking their notes that they aren't supposed to have, or somehow chatting a friend or colleague who who knows more than they do. Uh, you know, really want to make sure because you're making a claim. You're putting you're putting your company or organization's brand behind that person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. Now, in this particular certification. When somebody's taking the exam, would you know right away if you passed or, or failed?
1: Well, you know, that's an interesting question. So um, so we get results. We send results by email. You don't know at the end of the exam. You're going to get an email and you'll get it pretty quickly. Um, you know, it, you know our, our, my standard response to this is three U.S. business days. Um, you may hear earlier. Uh, and if, you know, if there's, and if it's not earlier than that, then it's usually to your advantage because maybe we're doing a review on something. Um, but you know, you will find out pretty quickly. Uh, you won't find out immediately at the end of the exam because we actually have to do the checking and so on that, that actually evaluates your work. Whereas something like a multiple choice exam, you know, it's just very easy to say, well, here's an answer key. Did you get the right answers? Here's your score. Spit it out, right? But we get it. We get we get our responses out and people's results pretty fast. How is it graded? Well, so so this is uh, a subtle but important point. So you know, remember that we have end states that are supposed to be achieved. We look to see if that end state was achieved. And so let me let me give an example of an end state. You know, we let's say I said that you need to have a web server running that you know listens for HTTP requests on the standard port. Well, okay, so first of all, what's the standard port? Standard port is port 80. How would we check that? Well, there's a really good way to check that is you you code up something that says, I'm going to connect to port 80 on this system and see if I can do an HTTP dialogue, if I can do web stuff, right? And that's how it would be evaluated is there would be a series of these kinds of checks that look to see if the end state is achieved. Now, notice that I didn't say, oh, well, we're going to look in the configuration file. We're going to see if we're going to see if HTTPD is up and running, you know, just to talk a little inside stuff there. That's not what we're going to do. If if somebody wanted to fulfill that requirement by writing a Python script that listens on port 80, and does HTTP request well, good on you, go do it. I mean, I wouldn't suggest that. It seems like it'd be a little bit time-consuming, you know, for your for your exam. But we don't actually mandate that you do things a particular way, but there's always going to be the logical way to do it, which, for example, in, in this example, would be, well, yeah, you want to enable HTTPD, you want to make sure that it, it starts up when, um, you know, when your system starts up, and, you know, we're going to look at the end state. And, and this is an, this is an important but subtle point because we sometimes have people who think that we mandate a particular approach. Okay. And I will say in our training programs, they teach particular approach and they, they have hands-on labs and those hands-on labs will get evaluated and evaluated based on that specific approach. But in the exams, we are much more agnostic. It's, you know, we we describe an end state and your path to achieving that end state really isn't our interest. We're interested in the end state itself.
0: I really love hearing that because I remember early in my career working on a certification and um, when I took the exam, they were asking for specific steps to get to the end state. However, there was a much easier or a different way that I knew how to get that end state done but it wasn't following those specific steps to, to get there. Yeah. And because yeah. I didn't follow those specific steps, that question will be marked incorrect. right? And so yeah. and this is great. This is great because uh, somebody that has been working as an assistant administrator managing Linux, they have learned all these tricks and all these techniques and all these quick, much quicker ways to get to the end state that they want on a specific server, on a specific uh, configuration, and so they can actually apply that their own experience, yeah. and as long as you get the end states, you're gonna get that answer uh, correct.
1: Well, you know, uh, you're you're exactly right, and in fact, there is research that supports your point. And, uh, and I'll tell you where where this is sometimes seen in the testing industry. So we use live systems. We use you know a system actually running Red Hat Enterprise Linux or a system actually running you know Red Hat OpenShift Container Platform, et cetera. Et cetera. Um, you know sometimes um, you know in the testing industry, uh, some people have tried to do simulations you know and be able to simulate an environment without it actually being the environment. One of the challenges they've found with the the simulation approach is that people who are more expert have those 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 shortcuts and those alternate paths and those things that they know that don't get picked up in the simulation and so you have your your most qualified people taking the exam actually not succeeding on it because they know things that the people who developed the exam did not. Right. And, and that to me is like the worst possible scenario, uh, because you (laughs) want the people who know those, those shortcuts and background, they should be the ones who are succeeding. And this is a reason why we've always been very much in the live system camp in terms of performance testing, as opposed to simulations, because, we don't know everything. We don't know every possible approach. Um, there, you know, there can be all kinds of things out there. And so that's why, you know, there's there's a bit of art and science in this, in the sense of defining the end state in a way that you can evaluate it without looking at the particular path being taken.
0: Also, you know, and that brings me to the other uh, realization here, as you were just speaking about, maybe there are two type of administrators, administrators that come from a Windows background that is more... Uh, UI-based, and some that have been always Linux administrators are more co- comfortable with the command, right, and the terminal, right? And so yeah. um, being able to get that end state from either, right, the UI or the terminal, maybe some people are going to be feel more comfortable using the UI and know exactly where to go and what menus to go to to get that web server configured, versus other people that have been doing it on the terminal for so long, correct?
1: Yeah, well, I, I, that's exactly right, is that, uh, you know, as we, as Linux gains wider adoption, and, and and it's just inevitable, okay, is that we do have to now embrace audiences that are are new to Linux and are perhaps not accustomed to doing things on the command line. Now, you know, from a professional perspective, I'm always going to suggest that somebody get those skills under their belt. But, you know, at the same time, if you can achieve those end states, you know, using a, using a graphical user interface, well, guess what? You achieve those end states. And, and I've, you know, I've known of people who've taken that approach to take, take the exam. They've succeeded. and They pass just like anybody else does. Um, you know, in terms of their ability to move on to other skills. At some point, they are probably going to have to acquire greater facility with the command line. And certainly there are some things that, you know, we test that are that you, you know, to test that you have some degree of command line skill. But the end state thing does allow for, you know, for people to use the graphical user interface or to, you know, use other approaches.
0: Now, as you get your results for the exam, it's always helpful to understand where you failed, so that you know what to study. Uh, would mm-hmm. would it show you if you fail what areas you failed under?
1: Well, yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, and and so it's one of those things where we have to sort of walk a line. So so the short answer is yes. Okay. What we provide is you know you're going to get sort of a pass or fail. And you're going to get a score. But then you also get a breakdown, and that breakdown is organized by this thing I was talking about earlier, the exam objectives. So those exam objectives that I was suggesting you look at beforehand, you're going to revisit them after you've taken your exam because your performance will be broken down by exam objective. And it will give you some insight into, you know, how you succeeded in these different areas. Now, you know, the fact is, is that Sometimes people wish they had more information because we're not telling them you know, the specific task on the exam that they did get right, or we're not telling them why we, they, they didn't get or get it right. Um, you know, and there's a level of detail that we can't really provide and won't provide, uh, because to some extent, providing a certain level of detail would then give that person you know, an unfair advantage if they were to retake the exam. But we do provide it at the exam objectives level. And, and for most people, that's going to be useful in getting a sense of, of where they, you know, where they might have needed some additional work. Um, you know, I think very often people come out of exams knowing, you know, roughly where they, where they were confident and where they were not. Occasionally, we have people who are a little bit surprised by their result on the exam. But I think, I think in their surprise is actually revealing that maybe they really weren't as ready as they thought they
0: were. Mm, that's a good point. Now, let's say somebody takes the exam and it fails to maybe three times. Are there any limits on how many tries you can get uh, to pass an exam?
1: Uh, we do not have a limit on the number of attempts that somebody has on exam. And, you know, we've had some people who've taken, you know, one or another exam, quite a few times before they eventually passed it. Um, You know, I would not suggest that as the approach. Um, You know, I, I would really encourage people to prepare well for their first attempt, you know, prepare in earnest, make sure that they have those exam objectives nailed and then, you know, take it. If they're not successful, give yourself time, okay? Don't feel like you should rush to go and take that second attempt, you know. Look at those exam results we sent. You know. Review those exam objectives that 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 you know you might not have pre- performed on as well, and give yourself time before that that second attempt. If The second attempt doesn't work. You might want to rethink your strategy about how you're preparing. Okay. Um, you know, if you're trying to do, if you've been trying to do self study, and you've had two times that didn't work. It might be time to think about about you know taking a training class. If if you've taken a training class and it's still not working, then you need to think about what would be a way to practice against those exam objectives and and really sharpen those skills. But again, give yourself a chance before you t- try it that third time. I think I think if you have a third time where it's not successful, I think it's time for a little bit of self reflection. Just to be honest,
0: yeah. No, thank you for that information. That's that's actually great advice, everyone. And uh, hopefully this has been helping you so far. Now, talking about the possibility of somebody failing an exam, do do they have to wait a certain period of time before retaking it?
1: Well, so we do not have a policy on that today. I will share that we are contemplating uh, implementing a policy like that. Uh, Um, you know, perhaps for next year. Uh, There is no such policy today, though.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Now, I remember getting some information somewhere about certain programs, if you are a student, where you can get uh, free or very affordable training for this exam. Would you be able to expand on that a little bit more?
1: Right. So you're talking about the Red Hat Academy program. And so uh, we have a lot of educational institutions that we work with worldwide, okay? And, and I mean, globally, we've got them all over. And basically these educational institutions, um, you know, they are degree-granting institutions. And what they do is they, when they become a Red Hat Academy, they are able to actually provide our courses to their, to their students, and, uh, you know, these are very often technical colleges, and so they might be non-traditional students. It might not necessarily be the, you know, sort of what one typically imagines when you say, well, you know, college student. It, it, these are technical colleges, and they oftentimes serve a, a, a more diverse audience. Uh, so anyway, we offer that academy program, um, and really in terms of what it costs, it really depends on what the, you know, what that educational you know uh, uh institution charges but but it's not you know red hat doesn't charge the student something for that training you know it would be it would be part of whatever their you know their the, the tuition they pay to that institution is and if it's a institution as exists in some places in the world that you know is is free of tuition well there you go um in general even you know even in markets let's say like the united states where you have community colleges and so on that there is some sort of tuition Usually it's a fairly minimal amount. Um, usually there's some degree of state subsidization and so on. So it's a very affordable route, uh, I think, towards becoming proficient in some of these in-demand technologies. And then with the exams, we uh, we offer a fifty percent discount to uh, students who are in Red Hat Academy programs on the exams. And so, uh, you know, very 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 eager to help them get a leg up in in into this world of Red Hat and our technologies and. You know, that's what we put on the line.
0: That's that's great information. And everyone, if you are currently in college, you should probably look into see if your uh, academy there uh, provides this type of of a program. And if it does, you should definitely take advantage while you're going to college, because maybe once you graduate, you won't have that opportunity at such affordable price there. So it will be good for you guys to do some research on that. Now Randy let me ask you something who who should be pursuing this type of exam or certification
1: um well i mean the goal has to be that you want to that you want to get into it fundamentally that you want to you want to have a career as an it professional you know with a job title like system administrator for example um, that's that's going to be your your prototypical thing is that you you know you want to work with computers you want to work in technology and you want to do so on on maybe on on a more enterprise level in other words you know you're not you know, you're not looking to necessarily do a little bit here a little bit there that you you know you want to go and work for you know a an organization of some size that has an IT organization and you want to you want to join that uh, another persona that i would also put out there is that let's say you're somebody who's more like a software engineer. Uh, so, in other words, you know you're wanting to do enterprise application development. Um, I'm going to say that this is actually not a bad a bad thing for you to pursue, and the reason why is because of you know this sort of confluence of of operations and development. So, if we think about you know sort of this merging containers and Kubernetes. Uh, paradigm, which is becoming really more and more what in you know industry is going to in terms of how it deploys applications. It's the case that you don't get to be just an application developer anymore, or at least if you really want to be, you know, comprehensive in your skills. Because you know now you're as as the developer you're able to say, well, here's my container. I get to have my the environment as I want it, as opposed to what you know, a production team tells me I have to have. But you have to understand what that environment is. And what is that environment? Well, it's a container. What is a container? Well, it's a stripped-down version of Linux, okay? I mean, just broadly speaking here. Uh, and so pursuing Red Hat Certified System Administrator is actually not a bad move if you're somebody who's hoping to get into software engineering and enterprise application development.
0: Now, if somebody, let's say, gets this certification... Do you believe that it'll open up opportunities to get a a job? And if if he does, what kind of jobs can somebody expect to get with this type of certification?
1: Um, Well, I certainly hope it'll help people get jobs. If it's not, then we need to work on that. (laughs) So, but I, but I actually, but I actually know there's a, there's a board that I look at occasionally to just sort of see how we're doing and, uh, you know, there, there are definitely jobs that people are looking for Red Hat certified system administrators, okay? And the job title that you will see most often will be something like, like system administrator. But there are also other kinds of roles like consultants, for example. So, you know, Red Hat has a very large partner network. Um, you know, we work with the biggest uh, global systems integrators out there, for example. And those global systems integrators are delivering solutions to their customers and they need to have people who know Red Hat Enterprise Linux, who know other technologies. And so um, certainly something like, you know, being a a consultant, um, you know, somebody working for a systems integrator would be the kind of thing that opens up. Technical support would be another one um, that, you know, there's just a certain need for that. And that's both, you know, obviously Red Hat, you know, who is, has has a need for technical support people, but, you know, we also work with uh, uh, original equipment manufacturers, OEMs, and sometimes they actually provide first-level support. Well, they need to have people who are Red Hat-certified system administrators, and so there's, there's a lot of different kinds of roles and jobs that this can take you into. Um, and then there's ones that maybe don't fit quite as neatly, but for which it's, it's a possibility, because if I'm thinking about people I've known who've been Red Hat certified, sometimes they're book authors, you know, they they write books um, and this just gives them more credibility for the books they write. So there's, there's a lot of possibilities.
0: How can people get more information about this or get more information about, you know, the certifications, the different paths and so on?
1: Well, so um, you know, there's a couple of things. First, I you know, RedHat.com has uh, you know some great content about you know the programs and the exams and so on. Uh, we actually have some videos out there on YouTube that you can search for and that give give, give some background. Uh, you know, those are those are sort of the places that I would start. Is you know, let's let's take a look at RedHat.com, see what we've got under that training and certification section. And then just prowl around a bit on YouTube because um, we've got some videos there that explain what we do.
0: Fantastic, Randy. Thank you so much for that. As we close the show today, what words of advice or recommendations, suggestions, do you have for those pursuing this certification?
1: Uh, my recommendation is is you know. First of all, you know, be honest with yourself and your interests. You know, do you like technology? Do you like seeing how to? Do you like making things work? Do you like to see how things work? Um, you know, it, you know, is there that interest, or is it because somebody told you you should pursue technology? That's not to say you couldn't do it if that's the reason you're doing it, because I think there's a lot of people who find themselves in that situation. But, you know, first evaluate just. Where you're at and what you're into. And if the thought of working with computers all day doesn't sound appealing and you'd rather be walking around out in the woods with an axe, you know, well, you should go into forestry. Uh, you know, uh, not everybody needs to go into tech. Um if you decide this is that path, you know, dig into the path. Uh, and and I'd say, dig into it in some ways that are not just necessarily narrowly focused towards you know achieving the certification. So for example, I mentioned Fedora. Fedora is a is a free operating system. It's Linux. It basically is what becomes Red Hat Enterprise Linux. So I would say go look into the Fedora project, download a, a live image. You don't have to reinstall your computer or anything. You just, you know, burn an image to a to an external thumb drive that you can then boot from and just get a feeling for what what it means to be in a Linux environment. Just play around with it a little bit. See how it works. Try to figure it out. Um, You know, take an interest, right? Uh, And I think if you do more of that, then you'll end up in a better place as you actually try to pursue certification. Because first, just, you know, get your feet wet. And then once you're really committed in, then look at those exam objectives and try to understand, well, what is it that that industry needs for me to know and start working on knowing that? Whether it's You know, whether it's something you're doing through self-study or maybe pursuing through Red Hat Academy or, you know, going to one of our commercial training options. But, you know, at some point you're going to have to dig into what you must know as opposed to what's fun to know.
0: Absolutely, Randy. Thank you so much for that advice. And everyone out there, if this was helpful, please send us your feedback. And if you have any more questions, send them out to me. I'll make sure to to forward them here to Randy. Remember to visit our website at www.techcareerpodcast.com for more information for this show and more other shows. And also don't forget to subscribe. Randy, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it.
1: You're very welcome. Thanks again for the invite.
0: Thank you, everyone, and have a great day. Thank you for listening to Tech Career Podcast. Don't forget to check out our website for more information on how to connect with us by visiting www.techcareerpodcast.com. That's www.techcareerpodcast.com.